Welcome to Well Played Podcast, a show on all things playful and joyous in education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, speaker, and co-founder of EMC2 Learning, the greatest community of educators around. Well Played is part of the On Podcast Media Network, but today we are going to dive into Season 6, Episode 1, and I am super excited. We have a guest with us today. John Meehan is with us, and before we get into all that we're talking about, John, please introduce yourself, because, I mean, for those that don't know you, there well, everyone on this podcast knows you, but just in case, there's like for the one new teacher that's out there listening. All right, well, yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, hi, I'm John. Uh, it is 2022. I have to remember to say that when I write, write checks, you know, right, in 2022. You still write checks. I was going to say the next time I write a check is probably like in December. I mean, like I write one check a year. Um, and it's usually for a Christmas gift to like, you know, a cousin or uh, someone I haven't seen in a while, but just in time for the end of the year uh, to get that right. But um, yeah, so I am uh, an English teacher and an instructional coach. I live out here in uh, just outside of Washington, DC. I've been teaching for a little over 10 years and um, I wrote a book in 2019 uh, about playful pedagogy. It's called, um, uh, fully engaged. No, man, I wrote that one with you. No, that's, that's say, wow. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Our lives have become the same, Michael. Yes, um, so, yeah, in 2019, I wrote a book. That's it. It's called uh, Ed Adrenaline Rush. It's about game changing student engagement inspired by theme parks, mud runs, and escape rooms. You can see I've been off off because now I'm back on the, the routine, right? <laughs> and then in 2021, we wrote a book go. together. I mean, we technically wrote it in 2020. It published in 2021. That's right. Fully engaged, playful pedagogy for real results. Um, and then, and then we uh, launched the EMC2 learning community. So we've been uh, very busy. We talk a lot. We, we, we spent a lot of time together over the past year, kind of just changing the world uh, one small step at a time. So I'm well, very grateful to do the work and I'm, I'm excited to be on the call with you today. Thank you uh, for, for being here and for, for asking me to come on by. Uh, no problem on that. Super excited to continue to do that work with you in 2022 and beyond. Uh, and so happy to have you on the podcast Love having guests on the podcast. So for all of our listeners, 2022, we're bringing back the guests. 2021, uh, season five was kind of the solo podcast year to try that out. And I just, I love the guest show. I think there's something to be had about conversations and being together and really like that kind of is a little bit about what we're talking about. We're going to talk today about having kind of a starting off a playful year and we don't necessarily mean school year here we we just this is the first episode here in january and we're talking about you know let's come back from that break and let's have new attitude new mindset and a new like be more playful and and there are so many great ways john and i have all like a bajillion conversations and it's so funny there are so many ways to be playful that can scale up all the way to an intricate sort of game that has several levels and rules and whatnot all the way down to like the way you have a conversation, the way you make an open space in your classroom can also be fun. Like fun does not have to just be, I don't know, and a quote unquote air quote here on a podcast. I don't know if does that even work <laughs> air quote on a podcast, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to no, be, but, but, but commit to it. Go. It doesn't have to be a game and it can be super love those. I can nerd about that all day long, but fun and enjoyment to me, it, like when you when you think, do you ever do you ever do you know what it means to think by first principles? Do you ever do that? 
This got really heady real quick. No, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh my gosh. <laughs> first principles. Awesome. You should look up first principle thinking. It's bringing it down like any idea, any thinking. It's, it's the most rational way to think. Absolutely love it. It's a line of philosophy. First principle is breaking things down to, well, you're an English teacher. I'm going to use an English teacher example. All right. Here we go. So for like writing, first principle thinking would want to break that down to its minutia, right? So you want to write a book? Cool. But like, what is a book? A book is pages and pages of paragraphs, right? So let's break that down. Pages are made up of paragraphs. Paragraphs are made up of words or sentences. Well, let's go even smaller. What's smaller than a sentence? Like a word. What's smaller than a word? A letter, right? And so at the core, the, the more we can understand the function of a letter, the better we can make words. The more we understand the function of words, the better we can make sentences. And the more we understand the function of a sentence, we can make solid paragraphs. And then once you start to string against solid paragraphs, you can write like an essay. Once you can make solid essays, well, all of a sudden you can make a short novel. Once you can make a short novel, like you could make an anthology, right? This is, this is really cool. And I'm cheating because I'm lesson planning for a poetry unit and I have to get students to care on the word level starting tomorrow. So I'm stealing this. Uh, thank you. I'm going to own that right now. I'm like literally clicking a pen quietly while you're talking. I'm like, you know, keep saying more things. Click, click, right, 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 right. So when you hear um, the great philosopher Michael Matera once said, <laughs> quoted over the internet, that is where I got it. That's right. where I got it. So thinking about fun in that same thing, when you think first principles, fun doesn't, doesn't stop at game. Like game is not the final bit of fun. And I think if I was in my own thinking – what, where does fun break down to? I think it breaks down to that, that joyful moment, right? And that joyful moment can be with others and it can be with self, right? It can be, you could be on a walk in nature and there'd be that moment there, that, that, that second where you're just, you understand and see the beauty around you. And that can be in community where you see and understand the joy of that's what around you. So game isn't the end, the finish line of fun. I think it's somewhere on there, but it's not. Michael, this got so existential so fast, man. Like <laughs> it did. It did. I'm sorry. So like, for no, the- I, I mean, like I, I'm looking at it and I think, um, so you and I are, are traveling. We have some joint presentations uh, over the months ahead. Um, excited to, to see you again in person in a few weeks. We'll be yeah, in uh, woo. Arkansas together, uh, hanging out uh, for a few days. Um, and then I, I'm headed to Florida for uh, a conference run at the end of um, January. So if you're the, uh, FETC conference. That's a future of education technology conference. I'll be there from the 25th through the 28th. I'll be hanging out there. Um, but looking at like things that are fun, an education conference is, is awesome. It's great to see real, real people. Um, hanging out with you will be great. Uh, I was looking at my schedule and, you know, getting the flights and the hotels. We've been talking about that stuff too. But um, in putting the finishing touches on that, because this will be a full day of presenting in, in Arkansas. But again, I have like five or six presentations to give when we're in, um, when I'm, I'm in Florida. Um, I want like that first slide that like wins people in, right? Cause you have one shot to make that first impression. And um, you know, I, it came to me like, this is going to sound really trippy, but like in a dream, you know, I woke up the other day and I was like, you know, games are powerful, right? That, that, that was something that really stuck, stuck out to me. You know, you know, playing games is, is a very age appropriate thing. Um, you know, if, if this teacher is doing more work than the student is doing, then we're doing it wrong, right? We should create occasions where, they are constantly, I mean, you always say it, like students should never be the audiences to their own learning, creating occasions where they have to be thinking about what they're doing and why they're doing it. And before we even went on the call, I was saying to you, like, don't worry about 
then worry about now like worry about what's right here in front of us like these moments that are here that intentionality because games can't run on autopilot and i think that's so pretty like that's a very cool way to approach 2022 is that first slide you know for that you know, big conference spoiler if you're in in, in bentonville arkansas you're probably going to hear this again in about two three weeks but um <laughs> there's there's a, a philosopher and a writer and the book is called the grasshopper it's about man and play and games and he says that all games are a voluntary attempt to overcome an unnecessary obstacle. So I think that that volition, that choice, that autonomy that says, hey, I'm in control of what's happening here. I'm going to walk in nature. If I choose to go to the right or to the left, that's up to me. I mean, back to poetry, right? And Robert Frost, you know, two roads diverge in the wood, right? Like you have a choice and that is, I, I'm now, I'm, I'm clearly tripping over poetry, but like, that's that's that Walt Whitman thing. Oh, me, oh, life, right? The powerful play goes on and you have a chance to contribute your verse. There's something about this that is different because you're here and that we only have so many laps around the sun. Like 2022 is our new lap, like being being intentional about it, being aware of that, being grateful. Um, I know that sort of sounds kind of squishy and esoteric, too, but I think that that's important to get all that stuff out before we get into like the, the brass tacks of what it could look like. I I think these are again this is first principle thinking like to get to the places we want to be and to understand the world that we exist in we have to look at it by its tiniest bits and build up from there cuz then we better understand all pieces and really like a word that stuck out in what you said there is that intentionality and then that empowerment that comes from that intentionality right yeah. cuz if you're if you're not intentional then that also kind of means you don't see yourself as somebody that's empowered to make choices. You're allowing life to just slide by and a gift that we can give our students and a gift we can give ourselves is the understanding that not, not to be cliche, but like that we are enough that we, we can make choices in our lives. We don't have to let life pass us by. And again, I want to just reiterate that's important for both our students and us to model for our students, but it's also important for us to believe that in our own life. Right? So you're not just selling a, a bag of goods to students and like, you don't believe it yourself. So, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, there's so much to unpack here. This is going to get very like heady. You know, we talk about play, right. But I, some years ago I was going through some, you know, some pretty rough mental health issues in my own self. Um, and it's not because I'm not a happy guy. It's not because I'm, you know, not a, not a generally, I think joyful disposition. Um, life just throws you curveballs and you don't know, you know, you have to kind of adapt and overcome. And I, by the grace of God, just didn't have enough uh, tools in my arsenal to figure out how to get through it by myself. So I had to, you know, kind of work through it. And a lot of the, you know, the, the mindfulness meditation, a lot of like, prayer and retreat stuff. It was like, don't do two things, do one thing, do one thing, like stop texting while you're at a meeting, be at a meeting, like, because you can constantly find things to say, well, I mean, be not here. Um, but like, to be purposeful and to be like, the past is part of us, right? The, what's happened before is what led us to here. And that's not that you have to perseverate over that and feel bad, but like, okay, you know the rules of this game because you've been burned by this game before. Okay, well, what are you learning about the game now that says, could you change something? Just one small thing and make tomorrow or today a little bit different by virtue of, of your volition and your, your intentionality there. And that, 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 that slowly and surely, like where you say, you know, I think there's that Buddhist philosophy of, you know, how do you reach enlightenment? You, you chop wood and you carry water. And then when you've reached enlightenment, how do you, you know, maintain enlightenment? You chop wood and you carry water. You yeah. 
one small step at a time every day. And I think that that's, I mean, very, you know, very freeing in a lot of ways. You do, you do more by doing less. Um, that's true. Yeah. And, and we've talked about that, not necessarily you and well, you and me off air, but uh, on the, on this podcast, we've definitely talked about kind of that power of pruning your game. So for those people that do larger games, like year long games, it's important to sometimes prune out some of the things that may be great ideas if you were their only teacher or you saw them longer or more. But the reality is there's just too much weight to the game. And games, some of my favorite games, still have weight. I mean, I definitely, I'm a big board gamer. I like heavy board games as well. But even in the heavy category, I like when the theme carries some of the load for you. I don't yeah. know for those non-board gamers, you're you know what I'm talking about there. But for no, we were we were talking uh, again. We have a lot of now off-air conversations, which makes for a great podcast, by the way. We should have the deleted scenes on like <laughs> the, the Patreon where people can hear hear me say cuss words while we're talking about board games. Um, but like I, over the holiday, I got uh, the Jaws board game. And the one that you, you recommended about the house, the betrayal on the... Uh, betrayal on the house of the hill. Betrayal on the house of the hill. And like both of these games, whether it's Jaws, okay, if you've seen the Jaws movie, you know the plot of the game. Pretty Try much. Catch the shark. But it's a two-act game. So in act one, everyone's working together. And then act two, the shark is coming at you, right? Give or take. Um, and the same works in this, this betrayal game. Like it's a haunted house that you're building tile by tile, flipping over cards. Together in like a positive... We- and that one I, I dig because you don't know who the... like. It's not like one of you are deemed the bad guy at the beginning and you're all building Correct. this thing. You're all equal No, at and the that's beginning. what's cool. It's like, again, intentionality, right? We're building this together with the idea of, ooh, let me build a staircase or let me build, a, you know, like, because I'm trying to build the most expansive, like, sprawling, cool looking, let's go down this rabbit hole and find stuff together. Because you're not trying to say, let me build a place where I can sneak away and, and stab somebody in the neck. Like, you don't know that you're going to be the bad guy. And there's just as much chance. In fact, there's even more chance that you'll be on the good guys team afterwards. That's right. So at the mid act or the, the big act twist, right? Suddenly the good guys are all divided and conquered. And then the, there's one bad guy trying to chase him through the, the, the mansion or whatever it is. But like, it doesn't serve your best interest to try to set the game up for failure in the early game. So instead everyone's working collaboratively together. Um, there's a great game. Uh, Horrified works the same way. Um, and like the theme carries it. It's like the, there's, we're all hunting for universal monsters, like, you know, Frankenstein's monster and the Brad Frankenstein, Dracula, Wolfman. Um, by the way, there's a new one coming out. There's, it's coming out in January. The American, it's the uh... American monsters, right? So, but that's it, right? The theme is carrying it. Like we're all working together to like save the village or we're all working together to like catch the shark. Yeah. What um, I find so helpful there is when, again, the, the theme helps carry the like mechanical load. Mm-hmm. Um, I played a game over Christmas break uh, or the holiday break uh, called Bus. It's a it's like a twenty year old game, uh, but they've like it's an anniversary. They like updated okay. the pieces and whatnot, and we were playing. And there, are, if you removed, if I like didn't tell you the theme of the game, if I didn't say Bus, and then tried to teach you the rules, it would seem so tedious. Like. Well, you're going to place your color like long blocks on these roads, but you can't place it this way. And you can see there's this and this and this and this. And there's like 10 rules around. Right. right, 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 right. But now you put the theme on it. Well, we're making bus routes. So like your color and my color can't really overlap all that much because you, a city wouldn't pay to have the green line and the red line be the exact same. That makes perfect sense. Right? So like 
the moment you tell it's bus, these tedious rules become like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. I would never do that. And I would right. never do that. And I say, would never do that. Like, and then it became easy to learn, but it, well, the, I think it, devoid of theme, it's just going to sound like, well, here are 12 things I need you to memorize. You right. Know? And they're arbitrary and totally capricious. <laughs> and, they, and, and then you get mad. Like when you're playing with somebody who knows the game, like I promise it's really fun. It'll make sense later. It'll make like, sense once you start doing it. And people are like, no, like the no. Like, but like, I mean, I, in a classroom, I, you know, I, over the holidays, don't judge me. There was some holiday beverages involved. I may or may not have watched a lot of guys grocery games. Didn't know that that was wow. a thing that I... <laughs> wow. Um, I, I was ending 2021 on a low note so I could pick up 2022 on a high. Um, but, uh, you know, I watched like people in a half an hour, in a half an hour. And I know like everyone else in the world has seen this show. But in a half of an hour, uh, a, a chef has to run through a fake grocery store pick up the right ingredients, but he has like a twist. Like you have to shop only in aisle six or you're not allowed to use anything from aisle 17. Or yeah. Or you can only grab so many dollar amounts and then they're like trying to do the math quick. Right. Or whatever. Right. But they're doing it. And like you have 30 minutes to find the foods with the, you know, the, like, again, the voluntary attempt to overcome unnecessary obstacles. And then once you have those foods, now you have to cook it and have it plated for the judges, but it's in 30 minutes. And I think what's wild is like, I'm, I'm a, not a good cook. I was, uh, I've just said to you repeatedly, like even boiling water is like varsity level for me. Um, this is not true, people. Um, you've had takeout food in my house. Um, but, and it was delicious. Oh, there was. I, I made it with my money. Um, but um, what I what I've seen in that that grocery games is, and I know it's it's again it's it's on the Food Network, so it's designed to sell you this. But like I'm like this is not so complex. They're doing it in 30 minutes. There's no like magic ingredients that you have to get to a specialty store. They're like, okay, I can make a red curry sauce with uh, sweet potatoes from the baby food aisle. Yep. You can do that. Baby food is not like dog food. It's food for people, just really small people. And you can use that stuff in different ways. And I think that that voluntary attempt to overcome, like I granted they're, they're master chefs. They're people who own restaurants and I understand they understand like molecular gastronomy and things about how foods work. But it shows but- that it is possible. It's possible, right? And I think that's it. And I think that that's where I start to get excited. You can you can hear the energy in my voice pick up. Is the intentionality is you, you almost have to. We always say, you know, go slow to go smooth, go smooth to go fast. And what you're saying is, I'm not trying to do everything. I'm doing one thing, one thing really intentionally. The bus game is going to be the game where we make bus routes. Now, because they're bus routes, we'll have to do X and Y and Z. The shark chasing game is where we'll have to do all of these things. So naturally, you can't get off the boat, right? Because that would. Yeah. You know, put you in the water. It's all that. And I think in our classrooms, sometimes the simplest thing is, you know, I'm teaching a poetry unit, for example, and you could do a poetry day if it's a first day where you just pick your favorite rock song off of the radio, your favorite rap song off the radio, your favorite piece of hip hop or R&B or blues or jazz, and just give the printed lyrics and have a debate in class and say, I'm going to give you guys five minutes to read it. And now we're going to say, stand on this side of the classroom if you think this is a poem. Stand on the other side of the classroom and believe that this is not a poem and watch them fight and just watch them fight about why they're going to say what they're going to say. Like that is a, a voluntary attempt from a student's perspective to say, I'm going to pick a side here. I'm going to go on side X or side Y. And this artificial, is it a poem or is it not a poem? And what makes it a poem or not a poem? They kind of hazard their way into this very Socratic thing. I mean, you know, we're talking about philosophy all over again, like where they are choosing to defend their definitions of X and Y and Z. And if they're choosing to do it with like young adult ears, they're listening to the arguments of their peers and saying, you know, I didn't think about that, but now that you mentioned that, that's a new wrinkle. I want to write that down. And I agree with that. It has to have X or Y or Z. And then you show them a piece of postmodern poetry that says, 
this is just to say I've eaten the plums. And they're like, what? How can that be a poem? It has to have rhyme. It has to have all this. And it's like, we, we can really challenge ourselves to go to very varsity level um, conversation simply through exposure and, and saying, don't, don't talk about every poem you've ever seen. Talk about this poem that you see right before you. Um, and that's a very powerful way to create a playful element in the classroom where the, the game will depend on the strength of an argument, the strength of intentionality, the strength of text evidence, which is what you want students to do on a sentence level in an English classroom in the first place. So um, what the, whatever you said that, that that name of the the, the first principles is like first principles. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I'm, I'm geeks to do it. You pretty, like I said, this is pretty much my lesson plan this week. So if it, if it tanks, I'm coming to Wisconsin, punching it in the mouth. Well, that's cool. I'll cook you dinner. Perfect. Oh, good. <laughs> and I'll order dessert. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I think in our classrooms, I, I think when I looked into gamification and in the earliest stages, um, I came to it, I kind of backed into it. You know, I was doing it in my classroom by other names. I didn't know that there was, there's these advanced things and these, you know, Dungeons and Dragons type stuff. And off air, you and I've had conversations where I'm, I'm not much of a gamer in that regard. I don't, I don't really geek out about um, leaderboards and, and skill trees and that, that stuff's very overwhelming to me. Um, and so it was almost enough to like scare me away from it. Like what I do in my classroom is adrenaline, like energy, excitement. You know, I didn't really think of it as game, game based learning or gamification. Which it is. Sorry? Which it is. Uh, uh, it is. But like, mm, do we have to? Um, <laughs> John doesn't like labels. I, I, well, that, but what I, what I think is very quickly, I'm going to speak on behalf of like the non-gamer, right? We see the name like gamification. And it's like, that's, that's beneath me. That's not what I am as an educator. Like I'm a person who's here to make kids think, to make kids work, to make kids hustle, to make okay, kids. Okay. Stop. I'm going to represent all the teachers that I don't know if I want to just classify them as gamers, but if you can still in your mind, hold what John said, like, right. That's beneath me. I, inspire kids. I do all these other things, you know, John, nice little resume list of all sorts of positive words. You um, said little resume, you're making me sound like belittled by it, but I'll allow it. Go ahead. My point is, I don't, I honestly think going to the nature of this podcast, this episode, kind of finding that playful, starting that playful class. I first principles, I don't think you can get to the things that you're saying that nice list, that resume list you just said, and do what's handed to you by the district, what's handed to you by the standard run-of-the-mill classroom. So if you're going to say that and say, like, see, I, that's beneath me, I don't gamify, and then be like, and we're doing lesson 7.5 in the math book today. Right. I don't. I don't think... First principles, I don't think we're hitting a playful classroom. I don't think we're hitting fun. I don't think we, I honestly don't think we're hitting inspiration. Like, right. I don't think we're hitting the things that you said on that resume. So well, I, I think, I, that, I think I in think... some respects we have to, as adults, realize we are in a service industry to children. Yeah. And sometimes we get caught up in the adultness. Like, I'm a teacher. I educate i you know like wow and we get in these heady you know big alphabet soup things and committees and blah 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 but at the end of the day we serve children yeah. and if well i think that if my ego prevents me from yes 
making that child, making that connection to that child, inspiring that child. And first principle thinking on fun for me, though, where I arrive to there is that joyful moment. And in that joyful moment, you are safe. And and establishing that psychological safety allows all that other stuff to happen, which again, like, I think that's, you know, I, I, I like I said, I, I've, I've evolved in my thinking, but, but I, I think there's a, a tendency to label. And again, it's, it's because you're focusing on what's ahead, not what's here. Like what's here is a class that's engaged, a class that's learning, a class that's joyful, a class that's excited, asking questions. All of that stuff is here, but you're saying, but when do I get to the real teaching? Like you're doing the real teaching. I've had so many teachers in my work as an instructional coach say, you know, I don't do the gamification. I don't do games. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And you don't have to. So what is your activity? Well, we're gonna have a debate. I'm like, that is a game. <laughs> you have set up rules. Uh, they've yep. had sides and, and, and conversations. Well, we're going to do a, a gallery walk. I'm like, that is a game where they're going to look at the work of their peers. They're going to rate and rank. Like all of that stuff borrows against those elements. And you and I will often talk about capital G gamification, you know, big, you know, worlds that are elaborate and built out. And then just lower G, lowercase G gamification, just borrowing playful elements into something as small as Hey guys, so something really bad happened in 1486. It's on page 10. And then just watch students go, wait, wait, and like they flip their pages so they can see what happens. Like that's what we want to do um, is create occasions where we're not, we're not always focusing on tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. We're focusing on now informed by where we've come from. And I think that that really does help students not take themselves so darn seriously while they do the school thing and helping us as educators to remember, we are in a service business for people who are younger than us. Um, and that reminds us to be present in that way for those individuals. So one for those that are still listening, I have to say we are going to retitle this, uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Is it going to be called what existential? Uh, yeah, it's going to be some philosophical thing, but for those of you still listening, I, I love it. I mean, these, these conversations are what moves me as an educator for change and growth. And, you know, as we're winding this podcast down, I I definitely want to say yes, like yes to what you're saying in terms of making those moments for children. Yes to the big G for me, because I do a theme and a year long thing. And yes to the, to the lowercase G. I mean, I drop in either one day activities that have no connection to the big activity or the big theme and yes to like just playful moments that it, that aren't points, badges, leaderboards, you know, just that, like you said, that story of, Hey guys, I, you know, there's that, there's a, something that happened on page 10. Like it's shocking, but like, uh, like we got to get moving on this other thing. And like, who's, who's the bold kid that's going to still look at page 10 and be like, bang, I got it. And you're like, we right. moved away from that. Don't tell anybody, John, don't tell anybody. Well, and I, I want to say too, like that we give ourselves permission to be playful and we model to the students a sense of vulnerability that comes with that. And I hope you can hear in this podcast, though it did sort of follow some existential, you know, mind m- maps or, you know, rabbit holes. Could you do a half hour podcast about how your worksheet was built or how your traditional multiple choice test was built or how even your traditional essay was built? I don't, I don't think that you could. And this is the amount of like, groundwork that goes into <laughs> I mean like this is the groundwork that goes into building a game because you know Einstein says you give him 90 or you give him an hour on a, a question he'll spend 99 percent of that time you know 59 minutes on the problem 
one minute on the solution. Like we're really talking about the underpinnings of what make people want to learn. And then, oh, well, now the solution becomes evident. We have to be present. We have to be here. And that doesn't ever happen with uh, off the shelf. Okay, it's unit 7.5, right back to the book. I mean, I think that this is, it's, it's harder, but it makes it much easier. Yeah. I, I hope that people take this conversation and realize kind of that power that we have as educators to create an environment in which students, like you said, feel safe, uh, create an environment in which they're aimed, hopefully at creating that, those joyful moments, little joyful moments, like little funny ones to activities that going back to the first thing you sort of talked about at the, at the top of the podcast of that intentionality and then that empowerment, that intentionality of what, what we're doing and what the students are doing and then giving them the empowerment to make choices within there. And games are really good at that. And our classes can be really good at that. But we have to be intentional because maybe I shouldn't end the podcast on this, but it's easy to have sort of a choiceless classroom. It is is far more easier on the teacher to create systems and activities that are all just sort of info out by me and then they all do something and I get info back you know, and just rinse, repeat. And there aren't really choices. There aren't really differentiation in there except sliding expectations or something like that. Uh, so I hope in 2022, let's challenge ourselves to, to take some of these lessons and, and grow ourselves and think about what we can add. Now we, we have to have time here to bring back the, the reflection time. Oh, there it is. There it is. It's been, it's been a while people it's been a while uh we have a great quote today it's gonna fit our philosophical discussion for sure john this is one of your favorite uh like writers right oh yeah so uh my favorite all-time uh american short story writer is a a catholic novelist uh short story writer from the middle of the 20th century her name is flannery o'connor um she wrote uh, a short story you're probably familiar with called a good man is hard to find but um she's she's very existential, very thought-provoking, and um, uh, very unflinching in her her commitment to both humor and to heart. And I just love um, how that kind of comes through in her writing. It's these weird, dark places that people fear to go uh, with a lot of their stuff. And she stares at it sort of unflinchingly with her tongue firmly planted in her cheek as she does it. So I'm grateful to bring a Flannery O'Connor quote to, to wrap it up today. All right, here we go. So if we forget our past, we won't remember our future. And it will be as well because we won't have one. How does that I mean, hit you in all of what we talked about, really? You know, it's funny because we went and we knew what the quote would be at the end. I don't think we knew how this journey would get here, right? You know, um, but I think that's maybe part of it is um, being aware of where we are always uh, with ourselves, with our students, even our own you know, spiritual journeys, our faith journeys, our family journeys, like being present in this moment allows us to appreciate what is happening as it's happening. Um, maybe, as you said, kind of before we went on the podcast, to compartmentalize a little bit and say, okay, a lot of things are out of my control, but in this moment, I'm doing this thing. Chop wood, carry water, be here, take a breath, roll the dice, pick up the card, move your piece. Um, and I think if we do that in our classroom, 
you can begin again. Second period, if first period goes poorly, you can begin again after recess. If the morning didn't go well, you can begin again on Monday and say, Hey, you know what guys, we're going to try the same thing, but totally different way. Or we're going to teach yesterday's lesson again in a totally unique upside down version of it. Like, and that's because we are aware of where we've come from, um, which helps us then where we want to go. Yeah. I found this quote to be, well, both haunting as well as powerful, like reminder, right? As a history teacher, I love that opening. If we forget our past, like, Ooh, like past is important. R and she throws the R past. So I think she's going at it being personal, right? So like, what have, what have I done? What are, what's the sum total of my life? Uh, but then that second piece to that, we won't remember our future. Like, right. It's so interesting to think the past has happened. So you're like, ah, like history teacher again. A lot of people are like, why do we need it? Like it's old stuff. Who cares? But then it, when we make it personalized, our own past, if we're already saying we don't remember our own past, well then who the heck cares about going forward into the future? Cause that will become past and thus not matter anymore. Yeah. And, and selfishly as an English teacher, when I have students who are like, poetry is dumb. I don't care about poetry. I was like, why? And like, well, I want to talk about what I want to talk about. I was like, but you don't want to hear what someone else wanted to say. And then if I follow this to his logical end, right. if we don't care about what other people have to say, then why should anyone care what we have to say? And that like, it opens all of these great doors all over again. It's that intentionality of being present, showing up, being humble, being grateful um, and moving forward, man. It's so true. Well, John, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and being being a part of it. Uh, it's awesome to kick off season six with you. Uh, I think I can share with everyone that John is going to be making some regular appearances. I'm going to go back to bringing new and different guests, but also trying to have a thread of some sort of familiar faces also come back to the podcast. Uh, everyone, thanks so much for joining and having fun with us today. Uh, also, uh, want to just remind you guys to check out emc2learning.com you can definitely see john and i's playful spirit all over that site so definitely check that out and once again i'm michael matero and this is the we're on well played and which is on the on podcast media network everybody take care and play on